walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. Ooh. Howdy, everybody. <laughs> howdy, howdy, howdy. Welcome to the Apron Bump. My name is Kyle, aka the hardest part of the ring. There's so much fucking noise outside. I can't wait to move out of this goddamn apartment. There's there's helicopters. I don't even know if that's coming through or not. The music's probably still playing at this point, but and there's goddamn helicopters and babies screaming and fucking dogs having sex. There's so many noises outside, and I hope uh, that doesn't ruin your guys' experience. But, um, oh, now there's a truck coming. Pause. Okay, now it's gone. Any hoozle, I'm in your house. I'm, uh, I'm in your, or whatever, in your car, uh, in your, in your, at your job that you work and listen to me. I'm, 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 uh, I'm in your, in your brothel, wherever you listen to my podcast. I'm, I'm there, uh, right now. WWF in your house two. The Lumberjacks. Who doggy? What a uh <laughs> just what a what a time in wrestling, really. I mean I mean if you've been listening to my uh my episodes linearly as they've been coming out, which by the way, if you haven't been apronbump.com, you can go to the episodes tab. You can select whatever uh, era company that interests your pickle. You could even select Wrestling Wars of the 90s, is, is the, uh, which is the timeline in which I cover WWF, WCW, and ECW all chronologically. And uh, like I said, if, you, if you've been listening in order, you know that um, at this point in time, in the middle of the summer of 1995, I mean, you have WCW wrestling at the beach. You got, you got ECW wrestling in rings of barbed wire and then you got wwf here which um i don't know man i mean you could really how how could you even describe what the new generation is at this point i mean you could you could spend all day thinking about it i mean i do i mean I, i spend my day working hard on the go like the the hands on the clock they just keep spinning too slow. It's like, I can't wait until I'm alone with my baby tonight, you know? So 
turn the lights off, bar the doors. And we'll leave all the worries of the world behind. Hold me in your arms, never let me Baby, it's true, I got a one-track mind. Okay, I'm not going to sing the fucking song, but... Um, <laughs> uh yes with my baby tonight you guys familiar with that uh that little ditty that little ditty from old double j jeff jarrett it's a bop it's a bop i mean if you look it up i mean it's gonna tell you that road dog sang it but i i will not believe that at all that just sounds like blasphemy to me so um <laughs> yeah I, I bring this up because that's pretty much what this event revolves around, which is kind of funny in hindsight for a lot of reasons, which we talk about in the podcast. But uh, Jeff Jarrett is hot at this point. Rody, him and Rody are a great act. Uh, Jarrett and Shawn Michaels have a great match on this show that absolutely steals the show. I mean, it's 10 times better than any other match that's on this show, I'm be honest. But that being said, Jarrett and Road Dog, they leave right after the match happens, which is a whole thing. And we get into that. You got that. You get the shows, of course, headlined by the WWF championship being defended. You got Diesel defending against Sid in a lumberjack match. Hence the title. Like I said, you have that intercontinental title match, that classic intercontinental title match between Jeff Jarrett and Shawn Michaels. You got Lex Luger in his last WWF pay-per-view ever, I believe. Don't check me on that. Just believe me. Um, then you got Henry O. Godwin. So <laughs> pretty much everything that you want in wrestling is here. So why would you listen to anything else, really? But um, I- I'm kind of joking on it. But the show is actually a very, uh, very fun show to watch. Very digestible and uh, even more fun to talk about with my guest today. Steve from the SCW Wrestling Channel. Check out his YouTube channel in which he, uh, of course, talks about wrestling, all sorts of wrestling, current topics, current news, uh, pay-per-view reviews. He even does stuff like fantasy bookings, top 10 lists, all that kind of stuff. A lot of variety on his channel. Really good stuff over there. Go check out Steve. Good dude. Entertaining dude. And uh, he, he does a lot of retro reviews as well on his channel. So it's a perfect fit. And uh, he was very, uh, very excited, as was I, to uh, talk about In Your House. So uh, follow Steve on Twitter at SCW underscore Steve. Like I said, check his YouTube channel out. His link is on his Twitter. I'll also put that in the description of this podcast, of course. But also you can listen to him wherever you listen to podcasts as well. So Check out my boy, Steve. Check out this episode, why don't you? Let's get into it. WWF In Your House 2 with myself and Steve from the SCW Wrestling Channel. Yeah, yeah, can't complain. I mean, a lot going on, like you said, uh, in current day wrestling, which uh, it's no better time to talk about uh, Henry O'Godwin, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we need some Southern justice, right? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, God. Yeah, that's uh, th- this show kind of made me want that a little bit. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so in your house, too, man. Uh, so you got a chance to watch the show? I did indeed. Yeah, I, do you know what? I've got to say, when you actually mentioned about this show as one to go and watch, 
I was quite pleased actually because yeah. uh, 1995 is a questionable year to say the very least in WWE standards. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at like I know you. I actually watched your your in your house one that you did as well. Uh, I believe before, and uh, obviously you mentioned how you know WrestleMania 11. It's a train wreck. It's arguably the worst WrestleMania of all time. You've got Awful. King of the Ring, which is the worst King of the Ring winner of all time politely, in, in King Mabel. Mm-hmm. That leads to arguably, in my opinion, the second worst SummerSlam of all time with Diesel and King Mabel. And obviously you have the Royal Rumble as well, the concept. You know, for, forget the idea that Shawn Michaels and British Bulldog had that iconic start in the match, but remember the idea that this match was one minute every entrant. Like, it was the most clustered Royal Rumble ever. So for me, it was yeah. like, there's so many bad things about it, but what's the positive for me was in your house, because... In Your House was this like two-hour pay-per-view. You didn't have to wait so long to see these rivalries play out. Yeah, you had some of them that were kept in dark matches and stuff, but it was a a cool concept, especially being someone like uh, in the UK, obviously not being able to see these live at the time. We'd have to wait to VHS. In Your House felt like a big deal, and I loved the way the staging was done and how it was presented. So yeah, um, for me, this is one of my favorite In Your Houses for uh, mainly one particular match and maybe a couple of MVPs in the show. But uh, yeah, I was really glad when you threw this one out. Yeah, for sure. No, I totally agreed. I mean, yeah, the in-your houses are definitely uh, diamonds in the rough as far yeah. as 95 is concerned. Because the first one, you had like Bret Hart versus Hakushi, which is great. Um, what else was it? Was there? You had King. Was Jerry Lawler? Yeah, it was Jerry Lawler versus Brett too. Brett was doing double duty, which is always a good thing. Even Diesel Sid was okay, uh, barring the wonky finish and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, like you said, it's, it's a very digestible show. A little bit around two hours the show was, I believe. Um, and one, yeah, one match in particular, which we'll get to is definitely a standout of, uh, not only this show, but the entire year for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, new generation, does this kind of fall in your wheelhouse as far as when you were watching live or is this kind of new to you? Uh, no, I was, I was a fan then. Uh, I started in 92. So WrestleMania 8 is my, is my starting. So basically the end of all, what was probably the golden era. And I sort of creeped in at the start mm-hmm. of the new generation thinking this is what it was meant to be like. Um, but of course, yeah, we, we probably had some of the darker years at that point, but I was probably too young to kind of realize. But um, the one thing I think is quite good with this as well, like you say, coming into 95, was this my wheelhouse? Yeah, I would have been watching every week. I would have been into what was going on. Certain superstars more than others, you know, the Mantars mm-hmm. and people like that will put cast to a side and the dodgy goons and gimmicks of the past, you know. But um, the thing that was good with this one as well was that, you know, In Your House 1, which you mentioned a minute ago, it's almost like the pilot. It's like, you know, we're testing mm-hmm. the water to see if this works. This was like In Your House 2. This was the first time we could say, like, we tried this one time. We know how it's going to be. We've got this idea. Now go. Let's present it to the audience and see what we got. Yeah. Well, with the exception of uh, giving away a house, I think that yeah. that's something they fine-tuned. Is Maybe we won't, we won't do that every time. But Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, absolutely. And it would kind of eventually over time evolve into what we would get as, you know, judgment days and the backlashes that we see in in between the big fours. So um, there's some right things they're doing, I guess, amongst all of the uh, the uh, the Aldo Montoya's and the Mantars and the Duke (laughs) Dumpster Trophies, which, you know, speaking of which. So I I just I was looking at the card and they had um, some of the dark matches on there on cage match. And uh, I was just kind of uh, interesting to see. So there were three dark matches on this show. So you had Skip versus Aldo Montoya. Mm. You had Jean-Pierre Lafitte versus Bret Hart. And you had Kama versus The Undertaker. And, uh, and one name that stands out to me is Undertaker because it's, it's, cool. it's dawning on me how much of, an, of a non-factor Undertaker is in 1995, which it's crazy in the grand scheme of things. Mm. I don't know uh, if he goes on to have a more significant later half of the year. D- d- does he, or do you remember? 
I'm trying to remember. Obviously, the the, the feud with Khan was the big deal with '95 for Taker, and like you say, there was they seem to use a lot of these early um, in your houses as the dark matches. Obviously, perhaps to build chemistry with the two. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, we know that they were they were later to be really good friends in real life. Um, obviously, with the the Bone Street crew and stuff. But uh, yeah, it, it's a bit of a weird one because, like you say, obviously go back to WrestleMania 11. I think it was King Kong Bundy. That was the, the WrestleMania opponent. Yes, arguably correct. another one of those where you kind of feel that's not Undertaker's worst opponent in WrestleMania history. I think Giant Gonzalez yeah. probably takes that that record. But yeah, it's um it's it's like you say, Undertaker was synonymous with this idea of like he was the main event, he was the big deal. But it wasn't until around probably like um ninety seven that really got into the title picture again after his first one in ninety one. He kind of had this attraction role for like the years of ninety two to like ninety six. Right. So yeah, played around that. Yeah, for sure. And that, that is a good point, actually, being an attraction, not being overexposed like we see nowadays with a lot of guys that have that kind of appeal. Um, mm. So in that way, I, I get it. But man, this this feud with Kama has just been dra- <laughs> it's It started at the Royal Rumble in January, and then it was kind of alluded to at WrestleMania. And then we had In Your House 1, then we had King of the Ring. King of the Ring, they had a, a minor interaction. They still haven't had a, a legit one-on-one match, and it's been we're more most of the way through the year. And then I think it's just maybe in hindsight we know that Kama didn't really materialize into anything, um, so mm. maybe that's kind of amplifies like oh man they're just dragging this out for Kama the the yeah. what do they call him the fighting machine the supreme fighting machine that's the one yeah yeah <laughs> but um but yeah so again yeah ninety five it is what it is that's uh, that's the magic of it there's some wins and uh, a lot of losses but uh. <laughs> but yeah, I guess we, we talked about it a little bit, but any other general thoughts on, on the show before we get into the matches? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, you have to give the shout out to Jeff Jarrett. I think he's an, uh, an MVP for this show when you look at it with the amount of roles he has throughout it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, the, the, the idea for me, one of the matches I was really looking forward to, uh, which I know we're going to probably come to talk about very shortly, is, is actually the opener with a roadie uh, against the one 2 yes. kid. Because for me, uh, growing up, that was one of my favorite opening card matches. Now, obviously, we've, we've gone to see on many shows over many years since then. So I think it's been significantly taken over it over the years. But uh, uh, you know, as an in your house and around that time period, I think that that was a, that was a fun match in particular. So quite looking forward to going back over that. And I think a roadie is another one that you turn around and say he's kind of another one as it was kind of like an an under under level MVP of this show because he's featured quite a lot heavily throughout. Yeah, for sure. And it's crazy because I'm, I'm, you're aware of what happened with Jarrett and Rody afterwards. Yeah, do you know what? I, yeah. I actually read this on, on Wikipedia like not long ago because I was like, I don't remember them wrestling like a SummerSlam or a Survivor Series. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you'll share with everyone what actually happens with these guys afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I guess I suppose we'll get more into it uh, after when we talk about the match itself with Jarrett and Shawn Michaels. But it's it's crazy in hindsight how uh, how much of a focal point those guys were on the show when they would leave immediately after. Yeah. <laughs> so in, in hindsight, it's crazy like like knowing that and seeing. Yeah, you, you watch Jarrett do a whole ass concert. You have Rhodey have this banger of a match. You have Jeff Jarrett arguably have the best match of his career. And it's all with in their minds. They're like, OK, we're done with this place afterwards. So, yeah, it's really it's really crazy. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, show kicks off. There's like a little country music <laughs> music video to yeah. open the show. They're in Nashville, of course, the uh, I guess hometown of Jarrett. Right. Or yeah, I believe that's what they, they, they I think it promoted him as around there. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and a lot of this, the, the, the I guess the theme of this pay per view is uh, kind of molded around that. Uh, oh my God, what's what's it called? With my with my baby tonight, the, yes, uh, the yeah. music video that was recently uh, released. But I guess we'll, we'll, again, we'll talk about that when we get to the Jarrett match. But uh, 
quick shout out to a commentary, which uh, I only shout them out because the previous show, uh, King of the Ring, the commentary duo was Vince McMahon and Doc Hendricks. And uh, Doc Hendricks might be my least favorite commentator of all time. What are your thoughts? (laughs) Do you know what? Um, Obviously, he has a role later in this. And I think it goes to show show why he is probably not very good at the role. Obviously, being Michael P.S. Hayes uh, back as the Fabus Freebirds, obviously back in the old WCW days in the, what, late Mm -hmm. 80s and early 90s, that, that stuff was great. But yeah, Doc Hendricks to me, Growing up, you didn't really notice it so much, but yeah, it's quite it's quite painful for the years actually in in twenty twenty two. Yeah, yeah, and he like you said, he had his role, obviously a legendary career with the Freebirds, and even you know some of his later stuff with the Hardys, I I remember enjoying. Yeah. But uh, yeah, commentary, backstage interviewer, I don't know if uh, I don't know <laughs> if that's his speed, but uh, I guess you got to try it out to figure that out. I guess absolutely. Um, <laughs> Jerry Lawler has his cowboy hat on. Vince has his vest on. I, I always love even like with WCW when they're like, it's like Bash at the Beach and they have Hawaiian shirts and shit on. It's like, oh man, you gotta yeah. love it. But that brings us to the opener you brought up earlier: the roadie versus the one two three kid. Man, this is uh, I mean, the two workhorses, two mm. uh, of of the standouts. I mean, they're. Some of the smaller guys, I mean, neither of these guys are like super small, but in comparison to your Mabels and your Diesels and all that, definitely the smaller guys, but um, a really fast paced match to kick the show off and fast paced matches are uh, not super common in this era. So Mm -hmm. I was (laughs) yeah, thankful to see that. But um, yeah, one, two, three kid, X-Pac, whatever you want to call him. He's uh, he's fresh off of returning from a neck injury uh, that occurred, I believe, on a house show if I remember correctly. Um, but the idea storyline wise is that Rhodey and Jarrett uh, broke his neck and now kids back for revenge. That, that's essentially why this match is happening. Um, and the match kickstarts right away. So kid comes out, Rhodey starts to make his entrance, but one, two, three kid meets him in the aisle way. They fight in the aisle and then they run under underway right in the ring. Um, but yeah, this match was so smooth, I, I think, is my main takeaway. I don't know. What, what, what were your thoughts on it, I guess? Yeah, do you know what? I mean, the thing is, the the roadie at that point, obviously not known too much of him, obviously goes later on to be the road dog and one of one half of arguably one of the greatest tag teams of all time. But uh, yeah. obviously as well, uh, two members of D-Generation X as well going into the future. Yes. But, um, you know, when, when you look at it, like you say, Sean Waltman, uh, one, two, three kids, whatever you want to call him, obviously one of, he's such a smooth performer, like you say there, the, the transitions and stuff and the fact that he can go flying over the top rope. I remember he sort of went over the top rope to land a kick into Rody's face as well. That was a mm-hmm. cool looking spot. They just, they had this sort of like nice, fast paced opening like 10 minute match and uh i just thought it set the tone really nice for the evening and um you know there, there was there was some big spots in this match and particularly the finish as well was something that really always stood out to me because it just it's devastating when you think about how the match actually finishes because um i mean we mentioned about one two three kids neck and obviously uh i, I don't want to take the the shine away from you and how this match finishes but um you know that that's definitely something that would make the job finished uh, if, if someone's going to take a pile driver from the second turnbuckle yeah, no, it, that's a great point because I thought about that, too, because like, like I said, X-Pac, he's returning from a neck injury. So they're going over this match like, hmm, how do we how do we finish this? Oh, how about the most dangerous move for a neck possible? <laughs> and, like you said, pile driver from roadie to kid off the second rope, which I'm watching this and I'm like, OK, it's new generation. We're going to get a, an atomic drop for a finish or we're going to exactly. get a body slam. <laughs> 
uh, <laughs> a chin lock and then somebody's going to tap out. No, this is yeah. full on AEW shit where a pile driver <laughs> off the second rope from Road Dog of all people. So it's like prop props to both those guys. It looks yeah. like I guess I guess kid got out unscathed. I don't know if he injured if what happens afterwards. But um, but yeah, that was the finish. So Rody gets the win. Big win for Rody because he's pretty much is, is kicking off his push, which is Again, funny in hindsight, knowing <laughs> what happens later. Um, but I mean, when I'm watching this match, there's two things that stick out to me. One, Kid might be one of the best bumpers of all time. I mean, mm. he's out there where he's letting Rody throw him all around, making Rody look like a million bucks. But also you have Rody who's really starting to come into his own as a character because he's he is still the lackey of Jarrett. But you see the charisma flowing out of it. You see what would be with the road dog in the future. It's very much there's like not really much difference between the roadie and road dog at the end of the day. Yeah, um, I think they even call him Jarrett calls him road dog at some point. So it's definitely you see the transition happening. Um, I think both guys looked amazing in their own ways out of this matchup. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was it was a great way to kick off the show, and uh, like you say, you see the the sort of little uh, hints of what will be there in the future. And I think one of the nice little bits as well for the tease for something later in the show. Obviously, you had the the breakaway during the match, which I usually have a hit yes. and miss with usually because when you see it with a lot of the the modern day wrestling with like the kickoff matches, for example, you can see for when they do like these adverts about something that's going on later in the night. It's kind of like this match doesn't matter; it's not important. But for here, it was actually integral for the story because when you go backstage in the middle of the match, you go into Jeff Jarrett, who's preparing for his performance of singing my baby tonight he's with the the backup singers as well he's not got a care about his roadie who's actually performing in a mm -hmm. big time match arguably the biggest match of his career he gets to be on a pay-per-view on in your house and it's like he doesn't actually care if he wins loses or draws it just matters about double j jeff jarrett and that performance coming later yeah for sure yeah no, great point yeah because they they like you said they cut away a few times during the match you know it'll be jarrett like drinking salt water to warm up his vocal cords or talking to his backup singers and like you said he doesn't care about the roadie at all the roadie is there to serve a purpose uh to perform mic checks and all that which <laughs> roadie does at right after the match which is hilarious yeah um but yeah it sets up a, a, a feud very well between the roadie and jarrett you know shame it never happened i guess, I guess um so. but uh and yeah like i mentioned so roadie gets the win here after the pile driver and immediately just rolls out goes to the stage which is set up by the entrance way the band's all there the drums the mics uh, Rody does a mic check. He uh, he checks on the rest of the band, make sure they're all good. So he's he's that's his main job. That's his main priority. He just happens to have a wrestling match on in your house. But um, good stuff there. Living the gimmick. Gotta love it. Absolutely. Uh, backstage with my MVP, Todd Pettengill. Oh, God, God, I love yeah. Todd Pettengill. He's yeah. so great. Um, but he's back there with the corporation, who is uh, not so great. <laughs> but. <laughs> Oh man, who who is so the corporation? What we got Ted DiBiase. Um, yeah. who else is there? Kama. Kama, Psycho Sids, we've got Tatanka, mm -hmm. um, King Kong Bundy. Yeah, he was there as well. I think that there may have been one more, but unfortunately that escapes the brain at the minute. Did we say IRS? We didn't, so that's the other one. Okay, yeah. IRS. IRS, yeah. Who uh, IRS is soon to be leaving for uh WCW, which is absolutely interesting. as well. Yeah. He starts having his uh vignettes on the start of the first ever episode of Monday Night Show. Yeah, which that episode I actually watched very recently. And I was like, wait, VK <laughs> Wall Street? <laughs> you were just yeah. on my Monday Night Raw screen. Um, I didn't realize he, he flipped that soon, but I guess he did. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Todd Pettengill's back there with the corporation. Um, we get a Sid promo, which is always 
always money. Just always your Sid. Just putting the camera right up to his face. You see the sweat bulleting from all of his pores. Mm. He's really saying nothing, but it's so intense that it's like, wow, this guy means business. Mm. You big Sid promo fan? The thing is, you never know what you're quite going to get from Sid out of a promo, but sometimes that's the beauty of it. You know, you don't know mm-hmm. quite what's going to be there. But like you said, the intensity, the look, it's there. Um, so whatever he's saying, you're buying it. It doesn't matter if he's, you know, if he was going to try and sell you a candy bar for $100, I think he could make a good job of it just with his intensity. Yes, sir. There. <laughs> Two of them, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so it cuts from the corp. So the main event is Sid versus Diesel in a lumberjack match. And that's basically what we're setting up here. So the corporation. So it's basically you have Sid and his lumberjacks and Diesel and his lumberjacks. Uh, so baby faces and heels, basically. But you got the corporation, which obviously uh, Sid's a part of. So they're going to support him in that. Um, so it cuts from this to Diesel's locker room where you have a bunch of guys, all of Diesel's lumberjacks partying. You got you know, Man Mountain Rock, mm. uh, Shawn Michaels, of course. You got um, Adam Bomb, Bam Bam Bigelow, a bunch of guys. Um, but then amongst all of this, you have Barry Dadinsky promoting a t-shirt. <laughs> did, did, did you ever buy any of these t-shirts that Barry Dadinsky was promoting? No. I mean, obviously I never saw these shows live, but, uh, I don't think yeah, Barry, yeah, it, he's not really the model that would be like, he looks good. I, I, I'd look as, as good as Barry in that t-shirt. I don't think anyone ever thought right. that. Yeah. I mean, the, the charisma on this Barry Dadinsky, it's, it's palpable. <laughs> let me tell you. It's like he has. It's like somebody has a gun pointed at him behind cameras. Like, yeah, hey, you sell these shirts, goddammit. Um, <laughs> should have been Todd. <laughs> it should have been. I would have bought one from Todd for sure. Yeah. Did you ever have a uh, a one size fit all T shirt? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. It's still. It's a concept that's. It goes way above my head. I mean, because that that's what they were selling in your house one. But now I guess they realize. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. So now they're selling them in only large, extra large, and double XL. So speaks to a lot what wrestling fans are, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> but um, <laughs> after that, we have a tag team match. Razor Ramon and Savio Vega versus the Men on a Mission. Of course, this is comprised of King Mabel and Sir Moe. Very, um, you know, I'm watching these guys and I, I can't help but, you know, make the comparison to uh, modern day King Xavier and Sir Kofi. Mm. Uh, who do you think would win in a tag team match between those two teams? Well, I mean, the New Day are, are by far the greatest tag team, but obviously you, you couldn't dismiss the size of uh, King Mabel back then. I think this is 95. It depends on mm-hmm. the era you're doing. If you're doing a new generation, there's, there's only one winner. It's men on a mission. But if you're doing it in modern day, New Day, if you're looking at all time, who's done the better better thing? It's New Day. So I, I've got to go mm. with, with Xavier and Kofi on this one. I think they'll find a way to, to uh, isolate uh, Sir Mo. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and this is obviously coming. We're fresh off of King of the Ring, which is the last pay-per-view, which Mabel was crowned the king. Um, and that's basically so after Mabel beat Savio Vega in the finals, um, Mabel and Mo started to beat down Savio after the match in which Razor Ramon went to make the save. Um, but he's dealing with a rib injury. So the men on a mission were able to kind of beat down both guys and leave them laying. And that's basically what sets up this match here. So, um, yeah, the match, that, the match actually is pretty decent. I thought, um, so you have men on a mission dominating in the beginning, obviously you have that big Jack gargantuan Mabel, um, mm-hmm. just swallowing these guys up. You have Sir Mo. Uh, beating on Savio Vega. 
I think the, the one takeaway I had from this, or one of the main takeaways, is I, I love the swagger that Mabel and Mo had with their gimmick. I thought the whole the royalty element added to their gimmick. I thought that meshed really well. What about you? I mean, if you go back and think of it at the time, obviously I bought more into it in 95. As I said at the right. start of the stream here, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of, of King Mabel. I do think it's probably the worst decision they made for King of the Ring winner when you look over the years back. But um, I can I can see where you're you're coming from with the point because obviously a lot of their gimmick, they, they used to be dressed in purple and gold a lot of the time anyway. So to mesh in with how they looked and stuff and to add the crowns yeah. and stuff and to mesh that in with as well. And Mabel at this point then had gone full on heels. So he was on the tear and this match was just purely just to put him over. Uh, and you can see just the way it's done because obviously Subway Vega takes the whole pounding for a long time till they get the hot tag. But then even when that hot tag hits in, like it's um, it's still men on a mission that dominate. As it should be really. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts about this. A tag team against two single stars. For me, a tag team should always win all day long, even if it's two yes. main eventers. Absolutely. No, yeah, that makes sense. And <laughs> Savio Vig, I mean, he, I guess he is because he was in the finals of King of the Ring. I guess he's kind he of was. being portrayed as a main eventer. But in hindsight, it's just hard for me to watch him and really believe that he's on the same level as someone as Razor Ramon. Absolutely. But um, that being said, the match, it was what it was. Like you said, it made men on a mission look dominant. Um, and the story, you know, Razor's still selling those rib injuries which uh, plays into the finish. So Mabel, he hits the splash in the corner and then hits a belly-to-belly -belly suplex onto Razor Ramon for the win. So that kind of plays into you know, Razor's. His ribs are vulnerable, so he mm. gets two big shots to it. And uh, that's what's able to get the men on a mission to win here. Um, there's one spot in the match where uh, Mo, I believe he body slams Savio, right? No, he, he body, Mo body slams Razor. And then Mabel goes to the top rope, not the second rope, which she did a few times. The top, the tippity top rope. Uh, but Razor was able to get up. Thank God. That would have been <laughs> devastating. Uh, so Razor gets up and throws Mabel off the top rope, which is just a crazy visual. Yeah. I don't know how the, the ring didn't shatter beneath itself. But uh, like I said, uh, Mabel eventually gets the win, makes him look strong and leading into SummerSlam where he's in uh, one of the main events. So, uh yeah, you know, it is what it is, but um, I enjoyed it for what it was, I suppose. Watching it in a vacuum, I enjoyed it for what it was. Absolutely. I mean, the thing is, the match is not too long either, which I think helps the, the mm -hmm. process. These shows are so quick anyway. Uh, and there was another part of this match that I really enjoyed as well, because I remember Mabel running into the turnbuckle at a really fast speed and like no one being there. And I'm pretty sure the ring actually moved because it hit with such force. Yeah. <laughs> it was like uh, just one of those sort of moments where you think, of goodness, like, you know, to think if some poor son had actually been standing in the corner, how that would have actually <laughs> felt like, you know what I mean? But um, yeah, yeah, no, this match, for what it was, it was, it was fine. Um, for me, it's probably... Um, not my highlight of the show, but like you say, nothing here is too long to where you can feel like it drags. Apart from maybe one match, but that probably was not intended to finish the way it did, but we'll come on to that. Right. Yeah, if you compare this match to, say, the Yokozuna match, I think this match was uh, better per minute than the Yokozuna match. Like you said, that was kind of a match that felt like it was dragging at some points. Yeah. Uh, but Mabel, I think he thrives in a tag team, so this kind of put him in his strongest element, in my opinion. Absolutely. But uh, after that, they cut to the stage where the band is, because later tonight we're going to have a, uh, a live performance from Double J, Jeff Jarrett, performing his song With My Baby Tonight. So uh, we're preparing for that. That's pretty much the main event, honestly, when you look at it in reality. Mm. Um, 
But Todd Pettengill's up on the stage. He's just having too much fun with uh, the drummer. He's doing the he's doing the do and then the drummer you know does it back to him. He does this like twelve times. Vince McMahon. You could my favorite part of this is you can hear Vince McMahon get like audibly annoyed with Todd Pettengill <laughs> with how many t- how long he's dragging this out. He's like, ah, do this little beat, drummer. And Vince McMahon's like, oh, all right, we're we're cutting to the next segment. <laughs> and he's like, um, but it, and it cuts to Diesel's locker room where uh, all of his lumberjacks are standing by. And uh, like I said, you got like Adam Bomb, Smoking Guns, Man Mountain Rock, Shawn Michaels, Bam Bam Bigelow. Um, and you got Doc Hendricks back there. Thank God we get some Doc Hendricks on the show. Interviewing all these guys. And he asks each of them individually if they're going to turn on Diesel and join the Million Dollar Corporation <laughs> when there's just so many, so many things wrong with that. But everyone gives their answer. They get their little spiel in. I mean, it's it's typical uh, 90s, mid 90s. Of course, if you're going to have a mole or someone that would turn who in their right mind would go, yeah, it was me. Uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do it. You know, I, I, I'm just I'm going to wait for the right moment. Don't tell anyone I'm going to do that. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, at the same time, yeah, it's it's bonkers, but it, it does kind of fit the natural theme of the time. So uh, right. yeah, it is what it is, unfortunately. But yeah, of course, it's goofy, and uh, yeah, we've got Doc Hendricks. So yeah, it, it would have been better if it was Todd. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's always the case. Um, but right after that, we have our musical performance from Jeff Jarrett's. So uh, Jarrett comes out. The band plays his music. He uh, he walks on the stage. He gives a little promo. I'm, I'm the best wrestler, entertainer, all that shit from Jeff Jarrett uh, that you typically would get. And then uh, they start playing the song with my baby tonight. How, how does that go again? I forget. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't know the words well enough. I'm afraid oh, to, to do that for you. You're a lying bastard. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we get Jarrett hilariously lip syncing over uh the track that i believe road dog legit sung if i remember correctly yes yeah yeah it was a legit yeah road dog sung it and uh yeah like you said the mime i thought the mime was done pretty well it was only probably caught out once or twice on odd little camera shots but i think he did a pretty good job yeah it wasn't as bad as i hoped it was i guess yeah. when i was watching it uh the song is a bop though i mean it's a great song you can't mm. argue that um you only really notice it because when Jarrett's cutting the promo versus when the, you hear the lyrics, it's very different volumes and very different pitches. So you kind of hear it there. But otherwise, it looked good, I guess. Um, but again, knowing all this is happening, Jarrett's out there. He's cutting a promo on a stage. He's singing a song. And in his head, he's like, yep, I'm out of here after this. So, <laughs> um, and then how do you... How do you follow a beautiful music performance with some pigs? Oh, yes. So that's so so you have this this awesome song here. Right. And then we have Henry O'Godwin's theme song, which is literally (laughs) is some pigs oinking. And (laughs) what's man? That's I love that about the new generation era. Sometimes it's just like like Diesel's music used to be literally just a truck horn. Yeah. Like before, at the music company, and it was just over and over again. <laughs> so we got Henry O'Godwin versus Bam Bam Bigelow. And I don't know if you realize this, but Henry O'Godwin, the uh, the initials are Hog. Oh dear! 
Now, do you know what? I pro- I, I, yeah, I, I did not clock that until now. And yeah, it's as, it's as bad as it sounds. Because he's a pig farmer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, the, not a lot to this match. Honestly, you have Henry O'Godwin, who's kind of trying to get in the corporation, I guess. And you have Bam Bam Bigelow, who has recently left the corporation. Uh, pretty recently coming off a WrestleMania main event, which is crazy in hindsight, looking at where he is on the card. At this point, facing Henry O'Godwin. Um, but Hog, he has a, a bucket of slop ringside, which they, they take the camera into this bucket. It looks like just a bunch of lettuce to me. Yeah, I thought that. I was like, it's, it looks like a salad more than anything. It looked delicious, damn near. Yeah. Is, this, is this what slop is? Is this, yeah. is this what people don't want dumped on them? It's like, <laughs> it's fine. They're just anti-vegans. That's what yeah. it is. <laughs> it is 95 after all. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, two big meaty men. They probably don't like that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, not too much happening in this match. It's kind of just two big men slapping meat. And uh, Henry O'Godwin, he comes off the second rope for a knee drop, but he misses, and Bam Bam Bigelow just covers him and gets the win. So um, mm. that's that's the finish. Thoughts? It's an extremely poor finish. But uh, looking back on Wikipedia afterwards, apparently Henry actually got a legit injury from this missing that spot so that's why they kind of just did a really? a uh, audible on on the time so i don't think the match was meant to finish that way probably probably was meant to be that result who knows we'll never find out but um yeah that, that hmm. wasn't meant to be the plan finish but uh one thing we'll say positively about it is it always is a pleasure to watch bam bam and it's one of those rare occasions to actually see him as a baby face because uh currently I, I at the moment where i'm at i'm doing a lot of um historical wcw stuff so i'm at the phase mm. where uh, he's actually making an invasion after leaving ECW and he's not actually working for the company. You get the big pull aparts of Bill Goldberg. And it's just, it's a classic Bam Bam as a heel like that I'm used to seeing where this is a complete different transition. It's a very sort of like watered down, child friendly man with tattoos of fire on his head, which just doesn't really add to itself together, really. Yeah, I guess he's very cartoony looking. So maybe I guess the thought is that appeals to the kids and, and whatnot. Mm. He did used to have the deal where he would shoot fire out of his like wrist guards, which I think he almost yeah. like burned himself on the <laughs> King of the Ring. I think it was. Uh, they were like, yeah, maybe we won't do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. But yeah, it's interesting. I didn't know there was an injury at the end of the match. That kind of makes it make sense. But um, probably honestly for the best that this match was cut short, if that was the case. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but uh, <laughs> then it cuts to Bob Backlund. Who <laughs> can you? Uh, so he, Bob Backlund, he's in the crowd. He's talking to somebody in the crowd. It's just one shot from Bob's back talking to some random person in the crowd. Apparently, Bob Backlund is on some sort of campaign. Uh, a campaign for what? I'm not sure. Can, can you enlighten me if you know anything about this? Unfortunately, um, this is one part of the show that, although I was watching it, I didn't really quite follow as well what was going on and probably would need to do a little bit more of a deeper research of what was going on. I do remember Bob Backlund doing campaigning, but this was long after he'd actually done his comeback and gone through the Bret Hart feud and been WWE champion. So I guess this was kind of like the the, the start of trying to make him perhaps, I guess, relevant again. But uh, Bob Backlund is one of those that was never really my favourite growing up. Um, I know that I'm probably one of the... Uh, few that that was never really a fan of his but um yeah i just never could take to anything he did i can't stand bob Backlund. i think it's one of those things you had to live through maybe in his i guess his heyday as the wwf champion or whatever um but here in 95 it's it's crazy that bob Backlund he was the wwf champion less than a year ago Mm. at this point um for a day 
but he was. Yeah. Um, I guess, like you said, trying to keep him relevant. But yeah, none of his he's never spoken to me. Any of his promos or his matches. I'm not, I mean, it's just a guy I don't get. Mm. Um, it's like Jim Duggan. It's like I, I think you had to live yeah. in that time to really understand him. Mm. But we have better stuff after that. The Intercontinental title is on the line. The champion Jeff Jarrett versus Shawn Michaels. Who man, I've, I've heard a lot about this match over the years. I've never this is the first time I've actually watched it. Okay. Um, but this I mean, I think it just felt like every beat was hit on this mm. match. It felt like it was there was a really good chain wrestling in the beginning really believable, really smooth kind of stuff that made sense in the beginning guys jockeying for position. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, both these guys are just in their physical peaks and everything just came off really smooth. I- I'd like to hear your thoughts on this match, I guess in general. Yeah. I thought this was phenomenal. This is, this is the match at the start. Obviously we're talking about the, I mean, Dave Meltz actually rate this four and a half style, which, you know, I don't know if that's uh, very rare that you even get that in WWE matches, to be fair. Yeah. So that this goes to show how highly it's rated. I love from even the start here, like you say, it's that case of jockeying for position, that one-upsmanship at the beginning. You know, Shawn Michaels very quickly going on the side of the turnbuckle. And then the second later, when Jeff Jarrett actually gets a small bit of advantage, he'll do the same. It's kind of like he wants to be seen as that top dog. It's his night in Nashville. Um, you know, we find where, you know, Jeff Jett does get sort of on top after a while with the, the sleeper holds and stuff like that. But um, I just felt that it just told a really good story from that one-upsmanship and just slowly building its way up into a really, really hot finish. And uh, obviously, I'm not going to skip all the details of the match because we could probably go on quite a bit of meat and bones in this one. But um, now, for me, this this is an absolutely phenomenal encounter. And like you said earlier on, probably the best match of Jeff Jarrett's career. I don't, I don't remember another match in this caliber for Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, I actually, because occasionally, occasionally, I listen to Jeff Jarrett's podcast with Conrad Thompson. And uh, it was like on one of those Ask Me Anything episodes, he was asked what his favorite match of all time was. And he said this match. So I was like, man, that's mm. he's had a, a few pretty good matches over the years. Um, you know, contra- mm. people love the shit on Jeff Jarrett, especially for his like TNA stuff. And I mean, he's still going today. Amazingly. <laughs> yeah, um, of course. But yeah, definitely worth the praise, in my opinion. Um, especially like in the beginning, you have the classic healing up that Jarrett's doing he would he'll roll out to the ring yeah. for a night that you, he teases walking out which I believe he, he may have done against Razor Ramon earlier in the year I think that's how it worked um, so he's teasing that but he gets back in the ring but then he rolls back out and he does that a few times really makes you want to see his his stupid mug get punched off his face um, then you have Sean Mike Sean Michaels is bumping his ass off in this match there's one spot in particular where Jarrett is in the corner, Sean rushes at him. Jarrett backdrops Sean over the ring post, and Sean just takes a flat back bump from over the post onto the floor. Now they have the mats out there, but that had to be a brutal spot to uh, to take. Absolutely. I'm- I'm really glad you brought that spot up, actually, because it's only on the double feature that can you just about see that Michael sort of just about puts his foot down first before his whole body. Mm -hmm. But the first time watching it, it looks like he takes a proper just backdrop onto the floor. And you just think, how is this man? Like, it's no wonder he had back problems like years later. Yeah. No, yeah. It's it's, because he when you're watching it in real time, it looks like just a splat. But you see it in the replay. You realize just how good Sean is at making and mitigating the, uh, the damage he takes, I guess. Absolutely. Um, with the exception of that casket spot that ruined his back, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> um, 
you have Jarrett, like again, just the classic heel stuff. When I whenever I watch these like new generation or like just mid-90s wrestling in general, I always appreciate like the classics, like the abdominal stretch spot where Jarrett's holding the ropes and then Earl Hebner like slowly walks around. Hey, are you holding that rope? And Jarrett's like, no. <laughs> and like, okay, slowly walks around and then just does that. It does it like three times and then Hebner kicks his hand out. I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. I love it. I love it. It's, it's pure nostalgia storytelling. It's absolutely fantastic. It's best. And it also includes the roadie as well. It just goes to show that he's got this sort of key role in the match here to just make sure that Jeff Jarrett yep. remains on top so that Jeff, you know, if there's a moment he feels vulnerable, he knows he's got that backup. Yeah. And the roadie plays, like you said, plays a big part in this match. He, he's constantly interfering. Um, he's at, there's a spot where roadie's holding Sean, throw it first on the second rope for Jarrett to do his running guess leg drop onto Sean on the back of his head. But uh, Sean gets out of the way and our uh, Jarrett goes dick first into roadie, knocking him off the apron. And then uh, so Sean, so what happens? Yeah, everything's just all these, you know, Sean evading Jarrett hitting roadie on accident. It just looks so good, Um, but it's it's fast paced when it needs to be fast paced, but also settles down when it needs to to kind of build back up to it. Um, There's a spot where roadie. He's Sean's on the outside and Rody runs up the stairs to clothesline him on the outside. Uh, but ultimately, Rody comes into play for the finish because uh, Jarrett gets whipped into the ropes. Rody, he, he thinks it's Sean that's getting whipped. So he puts his hand out there to trip up Sean. But it's actually Jeff Jarrett that gets tripped up by Rody. So this all accidental thing happens. Jarrett and Rody have a tussle back. Not a tussle, but they're yelling at each other back and forth a little bit. Uh, Jarrett turns around right into a sweet chin music from Shawn Michaels. So HBK wins and becomes the new intercontinental champion for the third time, I believe they said. So um, really good match, like we said. Any other other thoughts on it? No, I mean, the thing is, it was absolutely outstanding, like you say, that particular, I think it's one of the, the cleanest switching music I think I've ever seen, actually, especially around that era at that time. It was uh, it was beautifully done. It capped off what was an incredible match. And like you say, story storytelling throughout, I think, is what really solved this, because whether it's like the start of the one-upsmanship at the start, whether it's Jeff Jarrett purposely trying to take those nine counts, Shawn Michaels just about getting in after a nine count, finding a way to get him through the road here to this finish. It had a bit of everything, and I think it, it can only be described as a 20-minute classic. It's something that if people have watched this show and you said, go out your way and watch one match, this is the match you recommend them to go and do. Absolutely. I mean, this sh- I would have added even more time onto this, maybe take out the hog match before yeah. this. But, <laughs> um, great stuff, like you said, by both guys. But uh, the aftermath, which is something that I honestly wasn't really familiar with until somewhat recently. Um, so Jarrett, they had this match, Jarrett and Sean do. And then we remember Jarrett had the whole concert deal. This whole pay-per-view is built around Jeff Jarrett and this his mm. performance. It's built around Rhodey, you know, making it out unscathed in his match. So he's able to help Jarrett in his performance. And, uh, you know, according to a lot of interviews, you know, Bruce Pritchard's and Jarrett's and all the people that were involved, uh, the, the initial plan was for Rhodey and Jarrett to have a breakup in the ring after this match. Because remember, Rhodey's, he inadvertently cost Jarrett the match. So there was going to be some sort of breakup. And then eventually it was going to be made clear that Rhodey provided the lyrics to the song that Jarrett lip synced. It was going to be a whole thing, a whole program. You know, Rhodey, he's, we're giving him a win in the opener. We're building up Rhodey. Jarrett's got some steam. It was going to be a whole program. Oh, but they just, after the match, Rhodey and Jarrett, they just walk out 
of the whole building and out of the WWF in general, which is again, this, we've laid the scene how significant all of their, both of their presences were on the show. And for them to just that, that's it. No more of this. You, I, you, who knows what the reason is? I guess creative. Maybe they didn't want to break up so soon. Maybe they thought they had more legs as a as a pair. But uh, yeah, what what are your thoughts on that whole deal? Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's definitely food for thought. I, I did remember them having a feud afterwards. I was thinking to myself when this happened. I was like, maybe it's SummerSlam or something like this, but I couldn't remember it. And that's the reason, like you said, is because it never happened. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I believe uh, Rody was back as Road Dog Jesse James in the late part of 1996. Obviously, Jeff Jarrett or Double J, as we'd like to I'd like to probably pronounce him in this in this video, but obviously goes into WCW in '96 uh, as well. Ends up playing a part of the. Horseman storyline going on around the time of Mongo McMichael and Deborah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, nothing ever came of it. But um, there is one like lovely little bit we do get with Doc Hendricks just to uh, make up for that instead, which uh, I'm sure uh, you would love to go into a bit of detail for us. I would absolutely love to ignore this completely, but we have to acknowledge it. Um, so like I said, there's supposed to be a breakup that didn't happen, but they have to kind of create something out of thin air to make sure the audience knows that these two don't like each other. That being Jarrett and Rhodey. Um, so it cuts to, so the match happens. I think they show some sort of commercial or something. Um, and then it cuts to doc Hendricks backstage who is by the exit door of the building. Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Oh, Steve? Cause it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant for all the wrong reasons. Is it? It's brilliant. For re- yeah. Okay. Yeah. For the wrong reasons. Um, so doc Hendricks, I don't even want to, you know, do it like Doc did. Um, but Doc Hendricks, it's funny, my notes, all I wrote here is what the fuck is Doc Hendricks doing? But I, I know I know exactly what I was talking about when I wrote that mm-hmm. note. So he's basically the he's trying to get across the point that I guess Jarrett and Rhodey had had a fist fight after the match, but the camera never caught it. Uh they they got in a fight and then they both left. That's what Doc is uh getting across. And the way he gets this across is Oh, you're not going to believe it, Vince. I saw Rhodey, and, and, and he he was getting mad at Jarrett. And then Jarrett was like, oh, why'd you cost me the match? And then Rhodey was like, oh, I'm going to punch you in the face. And it's like, I'm kind of exaggerating, but not really. That's what it was. And it was just like the calm down, Doc Hendricks. You settle down, child. I know this is probably just a last minute audible, but like you can settle down there. Text. Um, but yeah, so we're pretty much trying to get the point across that Jarrett and Rhodey are no more. And uh, lo and behold, that that is true, I suppose, but not to the extent that the viewer probably knew at the time. So, absolutely, it reminded me of Anchorman. Do you ever do you remember Anchorman with Brick uh, there when he's in the office and just goes loud noises? <laughs> just a bit like that. I isn't don't know it? what we're yelling about. <laughs> just a bit like that. That I've never made the comparison in my head of was it Brick? Is that his name? Uh, Brick, yeah, Brick Tamlin, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, to him, to Doc Hendricks, but Steve Carell, Michael P.S. Hayes, they're one of the same, Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, man, so we go from that, all that hullabaloo, to uh, the World Tag Team titles mm. are on the line here in this next match. The champions, Owen Hart and Yokozuna, of course, accompanied by Jim Cornette and Mr. Fuji. What a, what a collection of characters that is. <laughs> They're the champions somehow, and uh, they're defending against the allied powers. Of course, the tag team of Lex Luger and the British Bulldog. Man, yeah, I'm just looking at these names. and It's like this is new generation in a nutshell, I guess, <laughs> for better Absolutely. or worse. 
Um, and this is the commentary makes a point that this is two years after uh, Lex Luger body slammed Yokozuna on the, the USS Intrepid, I believe it was. That's true. And um, two years after this, I just kind of in my my when they said this, it kind of highlighted how far these guys had fallen since then, because they were two of the biggest stars in the company at that point main event program and now they're here just in a throwaway tag title match who are probably the i mean i would prefer just owen and bulldog if i could be honest absolutely um but uh and again just with hindsight being 2020 we know lex luger is not going to be there much longer uh nitro starts i think like in a month a little over a month after this so we know he's not too much longer for this run um you have yoko zuna he's big he's a big boy uh, at this point, he's like 600 plus pounds, I think, at this point. Owen Hart, I think, unfortunately, has kind of fallen into the mid-cardy kind of role that he would be in for the rest of his career. And then you have Bulldog, who, you know, had, came and went, I suppose. But, um, yeah, just a weird match, I guess, in hindsight to see. Uh, but as far as the match itself, you have a little tension between Yoko and Owen, which I don't think really amounts to anything, at least not in this match. Maybe eventually it does. Um, after Yoko accidentally knocks Owen off the apron. Yeah. But otherwise, this match is just kind of there for me. A lot of this match is on Yoko doing rest holds on Luger and Bulldog. and um, But eventually, Yokozuna, he goes chest first in the t- into the turnbuckle, and uh, Bulldog and Luger are able to hit a double back suplex on the Yokozuna, which is pretty impressive. Hmm. Um, Luger tries to make the pin after this, but Owen Hart comes off from the top rope with a flying elbow right onto Luger. And Yoko follows it up with a leg drop on Alex Luger. And that gives him the win. So Owen and Yoko retain the titles. Uh, yeah. What do you think of this whole deal? It's a typical tag team match around the time. It feels like that's a lot of those, particularly WCW style tag team matches around that time were very much like mm-hmm. that. I remember the uh, Dangerous Alliance of uh, Brian Pillman and Steve Austin. They always have finishes like that where it feels like they look like they were beaten and have this like one move where they come off the second rope or something and then that's it. That would be the thing that would finish off that. What, like you said, was meant to be a main event guy a couple of years ago, years ago in Lex Luger now just falls victim of a, a, a knock to the back of the neck off the second rope and then a leg drop and that's it. Off, off she wrote. Uh, and obviously off she wrote to Nitro. But um, I mean, the other, yeah. the other interesting note on it as well is it's not long till, uh, till the British Borger actually joins Camp Cornet somewhere further down the line. I don't know exactly how long it is, but uh, obviously mm-hmm. the Bulldog will, will go and have a bit of a transition over the next coming few months or so in the company. But um, yeah, this this is kind of like a sum up of like four names that, that mean something around this time, but four names that probably arguably, you'd probably say they've been booked stronger earlier and we're not seeing the better times. I mean, thankfully right. for Owen and British Bulldog, they were going to be a part of the Hart Foundation with Bret Hart in 97, which of course that was, uh, even though they weren't top guys in that group, that still was probably the hottest angle going in WWE at the time. There was Steve Austin, obviously, and which you know embraces and helping to the birth of the Attitude Era with, with DX and stuff like that. But um, this is still unfortunately in that sort of period where WWE has, has stars amongst them, but doesn't quite know how to use them. And if they had them as stars before, that weren't booked them correctly, so they'd actually fallen from grace and gone to this sort of area of the card. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, because crazy. I, I forget when I, I see British Bulldog and Owen Hart. I, I, I the Hart Foundation immediately comes to mind, but I kind of forget where they like what they do in between now and then. And I guess mm. you brought a Bulldog j- joins them, uh, joins Camp Cornet. Um, I guess it's pretty insignificant in mm. hindsight, but um, but yeah, they, they, yeah, that's a good point. Bulldog, Owen Hart, they. 
still have the Heart Foundation, all the Canadian Stampede show and all that stuff with Steve oh, yes. Austin. So they got great stuff ahead. Um, Yoko, don't really know what happens with Yoko. I think he, because at some point they, they, they send him off to, you know, diet or whatever. It never works. But I guess he's, he's definitely fallen from his peak for sure. Mm. He's, he's fed to Vader eventually, if I'm not mistaken. All right. And I think he has like a match with Steve Austin at some point, like on a kickoff show. Um, what a trajectory for old Yoko. But um, mm. yeah, so tag team titles, Camp Cornette retains. And that brings us to the main event, uh, <laughs> the Lumberjack match. And uh, the WWF World Heavyweight titles on the line. You got Diesel, the champion, defending against Sid. Um, so the Lumberjacks all come out. We all saw them earlier. All those guys come out surrounding the ring. Um, who was, there was other guys. You had like Triple H was out there. Yeah, Hunter's Helmsley, yeah. Freshly debuted. Um, who was that? Jean-Pierre uh, Jean Lafitte was out there. Mm. Well, so am I missing anybody? Any, any, uh, anybody significant stick out to you? Sparky Plug uh, was there, of course. Bob Holly, the, the speed I said racer. significant. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we're trying to go significant. I mean, the one the one I think really stands out who wasn't there was Bret Hart. Oh, yeah. It wasn't. I think he had a dark match after the show, I believe. Mm. So maybe that's why. Maybe they're trying to save him. Perhaps. But you know when you think you have all these top baby faces, like all the baby faces, let's say, with Alvin Montoya and Smoking Guns and... Uh, the two guys that I don't remember who are mid-90s tag team that were dressed in uh, kind of like futuristic kind of like trousers. I don't know what was going on with that. Um, yeah. The, Techno, the, the, Techno Team 2000? That's the, the ones. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It rings a bell now. Yeah. Superstars 95 coming flashing in my head there at a, a horrid rate thinking about that. But uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, it's yeah, you, you have all these sort of people there and then to think Bret Hart you'd think would be, because you have all the top hills there, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think there's a, a big hill that's missing. Obviously, Owen and Yoko aren't there because they've just competed. But mm. um, yeah, I don't know. It's... Um, it's Lumberjacks. I mean, for me as a kid, this was awesome because of the fact that, uh, you know, to see so many people around the ring at one time. But obviously now being adults, we know this is these are the people that couldn't get on the show. Um, this mm -hmm. is something to give them a payday, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It is. Like you said, the visual is kind of cool if you don't overthink about it because um, everybody's out there. And it makes sense with the backstory, because basically how we got here is that um, after WrestleMania, because Sid and Shawn Michaels were a pair. Uh, mm. Sid ended up just destroying Shawn Michaels with several power bombs. Uh, made, you know, Shawn was stretched out and everything. Um, but this led to Diesel coming out and make the save. So this kind of brought Diesel and Shawn back together. The uh, the two dudes with attitudes, as they would be called. Yeah. Yuck. But um, so Sid and Diesel, they had a match at In Your House 1. Just a regular one-on-one -on -one match. And... Uh, Diesel, he had the victory, hit the jackknife, but Tatanka, that damn Tatanka comes out and uh, causes a disqualification. So we get a non-finish at In Your House 1. And uh, then there's a tag team match at King of the Ring. And I should mention at In Your House, Diesel's elbow was broke, broken. I don't know what the, what the exact injury was, but he injured his elbow yeah, in that match. From, uh, I believe, a choke slam or a powerbomb from Sid. Might have been both, I guess, kind of amplified it. Yeah, but just the way was. Diesel braced against the mat when he landed. Uh, so he's putting a tag match at King of the Ring, I guess, to minimize his involvement. But it was uh, it was Diesel 
and uh, Bam Bam Bigelow versus Tatanka and Sid because nothing says uh, pay-per-view main event like that. Um, so, uh, but that match, uh, Diesel gave Tatanka the jackknife and then basically was like, no, I don't want to pin Tatanka. I want you, Sid. And this caused Sid to run away like a little bitch, basically. And, uh, so this whole theme, every time they have a little interaction, whether it's on Raw or Superstars or something, Sid wound up, you know, tucking his tail and running away. And that's why we have a lumberjack match to, uh, prevent that, I suppose. Uh, so it makes sense. The lumberjacks make sense. I would prefer maybe a steel cage or something, but you know, this is fine. Yeah. But that being said, the way that they, there's another element and building to the SummerSlam main event that makes this lumberjack match make even more sense, which we'll get into, I guess. Absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, so the match gets underway. The lumberjacks are surrounding the ring. Diesel starts out hot. He's you know, beating on Sid. The crowd's all into it. Um, eventually Sid gets knocked to the outside, but he gets knocked into his corporation buddies. So they're all like, all right, you're good. You're good there, champ. Just patting him on the back, you know, give him a neck massage, whatever. But he goes back into the ring. Diesel gets knocked to the outside into those same corporation guys. And they is all just, oh man, it's just a brutality. Just beat down onto Diesel. And uh, they roll Diesel back in the ring. But, um, and Sid controls a lot of this match. Uh, but Diesel, at some point, begins to fight back. He hits Sid with a few elbows on the ground. Uh, he teases a jackknife onto Sid, but instead just does a tope over the top rope onto all of the corporate, <laughs> which caught me off. Like the pile drive earlier. It's like, am I watching 1995 wrestling or AEW? Because Diesel is just doing all the Lucha Libre out here. Just dives right over the top rope. Um, I honestly think his quads could handle it. Yeah, I don't know how many surgeries he's had at this point, but I guess <laughs> few enough to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, at one point, uh, Diesel, he gets whipped into the ropes. But Mabel, who is ringside, he pulls out Diesel, gives him a splash against the apron, rams him into the ring post, gives him a slam and leg drops him on the floor, just takes out Diesel, um, throws him into the ring. And at this point, there's just a battle royal happening on the outside with all the lumberjacks. Everybody's fighting uh, inside the ring. Sid hits a powerbomb into Diesel. But uh, instead of going for a pin, he just decides to high five all of his corporation buddies. Like, yeah, <laughs> most random thing ever. <laughs> I'm going to win here in a second, gang. <laughs> Psycho Sid or stupid Sid, huh? Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but uh, <laughs> so Sid, he took too long to make the pin. So Diesel's able to kick out. Um, Sid goes for another power bomb, but Diesel is able to backdrop out of it. And uh, Sid, he goes rolling to the outside, which allows Shawn Michaels to hit a top uh, uh, from the top rope to the outside. A axe handle on the Sid rolls Sid back in the ring. Uh, Diesel teases a jackknife again. But before he can hit it, IRS comes in. He gets a big boot. Uh, I think Tatanka, some other corporation guys, they run in there. They all get boots. And then Sid gets a boot of his own. And that's the finish. So Diesel gets the win over Sid with a boot to the face, uh, retains his title. Pyro goes off as all the baby faces celebrate. Uh, yeah, interesting finish. But the crowd seemed to be all for it. So who am I to say? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, obviously, you mentioned the detail that this match perfectly here, really. I mean, obviously, 
I, I love the fact that the, um, the the Lumberjacks are brought in so early into the match. That's the, the whole point and process of the match. So the fact we didn't have to wait too long to see the involvement. I mean, it's a classic of the, the times of how they would use those Lumberjacks as well. So, yeah, uh, the, the, the spots of Diesel going over the top rope there, I thought was, like you mentioned earlier on, was, was a fun spot there. Uh, but, yeah, looking as you go towards the finish, Bit strange that it was just the big boot and not not the jackknife power bomb, but um, hey, both of them use power bombs, so I guess as one's used it and not the other. Uh, but the thing mm-hmm. is, you mentioned that with Sid also. I suppose that was to protect his finisher, but I mean, it was definitely a, a lame right. way to do it. Like, do you know what I mean? But yeah. Um, yeah. obviously, after the match, also you see there, Mabel and Diesel still wanted to be pulled apart, and they they want to get at it at that point as well. So that helps to build up for the for the next show as well. So yeah, all in all, I think this is it's not too long either. So this ticks a lot of the boxes for me. It remains fun, and usually. Um, match like a lumberjack match can limit superstars when it's two big men like diesel and sid i actually think it works to their advantage and it made this match a lot more fun yeah no agreed 100 percent. I'm, I'm wondering if diesel's elbow still isn't in shape to lift up sid for a power bomb because he didn't really do any i'm trying to think of the offense diesel did in this match it was, it was more like striking type stuff not a lot of strength intensive moves i guess unless i missed any but um i'm assuming yeah. that's the reason that's what the finish was Makes a lot of sense. I mean, especially, I mean, even when he does his dive over the top rope, I mean, he's not like Ricochet landing on the floor. He's got about 12 people catching him. It's just like yeah. being at a rock concert more than anything else, isn't it? So he knows he's going to be all day long. So, yeah. Not a lot of softer landings than landing on King Kong Bundy. So. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just crazy that he's still here in mid-95. But Absolutely, it's all, yeah. It's a whole other podcast in itself. But, um. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, it's a pretty quick show. Not mm. that many matches, but um, all in all, I mean, it's not if we're talking about 95, I think this is amongst the top for sure. If nothing else for the Intercontinental title match, uh, the main event had its fun spots as well. The opener was fun. You had the the, the music performance uh, and your house, too. Uh, well, we were, I guess, overall uh, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Yeah, I think this has got to go more on the thumbs up than, you know, it's between thumb up and thumb in the middle. I think if you were to say give this out of a five star rating, I'd go with around sort of like the just under three and a half star, maybe 3.25 is a fair accurate thing you've got to go out your way to watch hbk and jeff Jarrett. i think that's a standout match for sure the show itself i think just flows very nicely even if you're not saying like all the matches are five-star classics you're not going to be bored at any moment you're going to switch this on it's going to be like a, a fun episode of monday night raw if people can remember what those are like in 2022 uh but um <laughs> you know but uh i mean also i think like like you said this is up the top i think this and in your house five are, are probably the two top pay-per-views of the entire calendar year so from the wwe side anyway so this is definitely one of their top tier shows yeah and they replaced you know instead of 30 minutes of giving away a house they had a musical performance which is a a plus in my opinion (laughs) makes me happy i was here for that one definitely i i do enjoy that song even i don't know all the words maybe i'll learn them and i'll come back in here one day and i'll sing it for you but uh yeah i'd need to learn the words i'm afraid tell you what you 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 sing it uh, in front of a camera uh send it to me and then we'll just make that the episode perfect perfect <laughs> the, be- the, be- the best part about that is you have no idea if it would be good or bad you're just happy to gamble with it and that's that's i suppose a winner in itself isn't it oh it, it would be valuable in some way don't you worry <laughs> <laughs> except for anybody with ears but anyways <laughs> well steve thank you once again for uh checking out the show and coming on here and uh talking about it uh where could everybody listen to you and listen to the scw 
Uh, thank you very much. And I just want to say, by the way, thank you for having me on your channel, by the way. It's great to be a part of this and uh, really, really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we can collaborate again someday. And I hope everyone is definitely like following or subscribing to your content as well because you do some really great work. Uh, but to follow thank me, uh, SCW The Wrestling Channel is uh, primarily on YouTube. Uh, I do have like the Spotify, Apple podcast pages, but they're not as active at the moment. But uh, YouTube is the main place to be for regular, you know, topical, up-to-date content, Q and A's, predictions, reviews, uh, fantasy booking. Uh, you know, I like to do collaborations as well. So there's there's always a lot going on the channel. So yeah, that's on YouTube. SCW, the wrestling channel. Uh, just type in, follow follow it, hit that subscribe button, and uh, check out a video. We've got uh, lots of different things for you there to go and check out. Absolutely, yeah. You do a lot of unique content over there. Really great stuff. The fantasy booking stuff is is great. It's probably one of my favorites. But um, yeah. Other than that, man. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Once again, thank you to Steve from the SCW Wrestling Channel for joining me on this lovely, lovely trip to Nashville in your house, too. Great time with Steve. Definitely will have him on again. Go check him out. Check him out on Twitter at SCW underscore Steve. Check out his YouTube channel. I have the link to that in the description of this uh, podcast and uh Listen to the SCW Wrestling Channel wherever you listen to podcasts as well. And check me out, apronbump.com. All my full episodes are there. Got some t-shirts, by the way. I've been forgetting to uh, plug that. But yeah, you boys got some merch through What a Maneuver. So I'll link that in my uh, at my website as well. Just go to store and it should link you right there. You can get uh, Right now, I just have my basic logo. But you can get that on a T-shirt, uh, a onesie, uh, uh, condoms, I think. Uh, well, yeah, whatever is over there. So go check that out. Buy yourself a shirt. Sleep in it. Bathe in it. Make love in it. Do whatever it is that you like to do. Uh, but go check that out. Or don't. Or I'll just go fuck myself, I guess. Um, <laughs> that's all I got for you guys today. Thank you guys once again for listening. Big smooches, big smooches. Tickle you, tickle you, tickle you. I'm hard.